We're continuing in Ecclesiastes tonight. Coming down to the end of the book. And as Solomon gets to the end, he gives the warning to serve God now. Specifically for young people, but he does talk a little bit about what aging is like in kind of humorous way. We might get to that tonight. Solomon was young when he asked for wisdom, but he wasted many years on the vanity of wealth, fame, fortune, women, and pleasure. But now he pleads with young to put off the vanity and to serve God while they are young. How often do you look at young people and think, wow, all that wasted energy? Because, boy, if we knew then what we knew now. Susan and I were cleaning up the yard, so our neighbors never decided to trim the fence. So the vines and thistles and thorns and everything else grew up through the fence. Well, our neighbor just moved out, so I got permission to clean the fence from the landowner. And that's a lot of work, but it looks so much better. And I was tired today. I didn't used to get tired working halfway through the day, but we got done. I told Susan, I said, I'm going to take a nap. Glad I did. But Solomon gives us some points to the young, and for us that are getting older, I'm not old yet, to remember, starting at verse 9 of chapter 11, Ecclesiastes 11 and verse 9, Solomon writes, Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart, and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. Therefore remove sorrow from thy heart, and put away evil from thy flesh, for childhood and youth are vanity. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. While the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return, after the rain. In the days when the keeper of the house shall tremble, and the strong men shall bow themselves, and the grinders cease because they are few, and those that look out the windows be darkened, and the doors shall be shut in the streets, and the sound of the grinding is low, and he shall rise up at the voice of a bird, and all the daughters of music shall be brought low. Also when they shall be afraid of that which is high, and fear shall be in the way, And the almond tree shall flourish, and the grasshopper shall be a burden, and desire shall fail, because man goeth to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets. Wherever the silver cord is loosed, or the golden bowl be broken, or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return to God who gave it. That is one of the most interesting descriptions of old age I've ever read. And we will probably not get that far tonight. But that's in in verses uh, 3 through 7. That's what he's actually describing as old age. And we'll just look at that. And like I said, kind of interesting. But first, we're going to notice the reminder of God's judgment in 11 verse 9. Then in verse 10 we'll see the removal of sorrow and then we'll see that we are to remember our creator father i pray you give us wisdom as we study this passage tonight 
Teach us again, Lord, to serve you now while we can, while we have time. And we'll thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen. The reminder of God's judgment. Verse 9. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart, and the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. So he's warning against the choices youth make. He's saying, don't do as the world teaches. Don't follow your heart, but follow God. Because while you think you're young and invincible and there's all the time in the world, your time here is short and you are going to give an account of how you used your time. Ecclesiastes 2.10, Whatsoever they... Thine eyes desired, I kept uh, whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them, and withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. So what, what is Solomon saying? He's saying, Look, I asked God for wisdom. He gave me wisdom. But then I turned and I lived like a fool. He said, Young people, don't do what I did. Don't live so foolish. He said, anything I wanted, I didn't keep it, keep it from my eye. I wanted it, I got it. By the way, I believe this is unfortunately how most Americans live. Is I want it, I get it. I want it, it's mine. People will go into debt, crazy kind of debt to get whatever they want. People will do whatever they, they feel is right in their own eyes. If it makes them feel good, they're doing it. There is no loyalty in marriage there's no loyalty in, in anything anymore people just do whatever they think it makes them feel good and it's the whole idea of following our heart as jeremiah said though the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it your heart and eyes will naturally follow fleshly desires right your heart and eyes are naturally going to follow fleshly desires the old man is not going to desire to serve God. It's going to desire to feed self. It desires taking care of me, my desires. Numbers 15, 39, And it shall be unto you for a fringe that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them, that you seek not after your own heart and your own eyes after which ye, uh, which ye used to go a-whoring, God says. He says, don't go after those worldly things anymore. You know, when they came into the promised land, they were supposed to kill all the inhabitants of the land and get rid of all the false gods. But when they got to the promised land, the Bible tells us they left some of the inhabitants alive. And then what ends up happening? They end up following their false gods. There's a reason why God said, get rid of it. And Christian, in your home, you need to get rid of the trash that might be in your home whether it be books, whether it be videos, whether it be music, whatever it might be, if it's not pleasing God, it has no place in your home. Job says, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? Interesting words, isn't it? I made a covenant with my eyes. Men, you need to train your eyes because this is what most men naturally will do when they see a woman... They will look top to bottom and check her out. That's what the natural man does, right? Men, train your eyes to stay up and look her in the face. Because sin's pleasures are only temporary. Oh, there is pleasure in sin. Wouldn't have to preach against sin if it wasn't fun to do. 
right? Although there's some things that I really don't understand how people can think it's fun to get started on, like smoking. I remember my first cigarette. It was horrible. Didn't actually want to do it again. I was a little boy. My, one of my aunts was over visiting, or maybe it was one of my uncles. I don't know. The whole family smoked except for ours. My dad did smoke cigars. <clears throat> Anyhow, and I asked, can I just take a drag of it? Oh, my mom saw it, so she made me smoke the whole thing until I was green. And that was probably the smartest thing she ever did. I'm telling you, I was so, so sick. Oh, my oh. Don't ever do that. Or beer. I'll be honest with you. The first beer I had, I was like, who can stand this stuff? This is disgusting. But you know what? It's just like any other sin. You keep doing it because everybody else is doing it, and you don't want to be cool. You don't want to be the left out one. So you keep doing it, and then you get hooked on it. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Hebrews 11, 24 and 25. <clears throat> By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Now, I want you to think of that for a moment. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, if he's the son of Pharaoh's daughter, okay, Pharaoh dies, she's a daughter, and if, she, if there were no other sons, then guess who would be elevated to the throne? You do realize what Moses was giving up is the potential of being the Pharaoh of all of Egypt. That's pretty incredible. But he says, the pleasures of sin for a season are not to be regarded. I am one of God's chosen people. Now, he chose rather to suffer the afflictions. And poor Moses leading a million people through the desert that didn't want to go. I mean, it had to be a rough job. They complained about everything. Now, did Moses make mistakes? Yes, but we, we find a faithful man whose focus was on serving God, not on pleasing self. And I'll tell you what, if, I, if God had called me to lead a million griping Jews through the desert, I would have left them a couple times, I'm telling you. <laughs> Hold your place here in uh, Ecclesiastes. Flip back with me to Proverbs chapter 7. Proverbs 7, starting at verse 4. Say unto wisdom, thou art my sister, and call understanding thy kinswoman, that they may keep thee from the strange woman, from the stranger which flattereth with her words. For at the window of my house I looked through my casement, and beheld... Among the simple ones, I discerned among the youths a, man, a young man, void of understanding, passing through the street near her corner, and he went the way into her house, and in twilight and the evening, a black and, and dark night, and behold, there met him a woman with the attire of an harlot and subtle of heart. She is loud and stubborn, her feet abide not in her house. Now is she without, now in the streets, and lieth in wait in every corner. And she caught him and kissed him, and with an impudent face said unto him, I have peace offerings with me this day. I have paid my vows. Therefore came I forth to meet thee diligently to seek thy face, and I found thee. I have decked my bed with coverings of tapestry, with carved works of fine, uh, fine linen of Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us fill our love until the morning. Let us solace ourselves with loves, for the good man is not at home. 
He has gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him and will, not, will come uh, home at the day appointed. And with her much fair speech, he ca- uh, she caused him to yield with her flattering of her lips. She forced him. He goeth after her straightways, and ox goeth to the slaughter as a fool to the correction of the stocks, till a dart strike through his liver, as a bird hasteth to the snare, and knoweth not it is for his life. Hearken unto me now, therefore, O ye children, and tend to the words of my mouth. Let not thine heart decline to her ways, nor go astray in her paths. For she hath cast down many wounded, yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Her house is in the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Interesting, this young man of whom Solomon talks as he looks out his window and sees this fool being deceived and trying to enjoy sins of pleasure for a season and going down the path of death and destruction contrasted to a young man named Joseph who had Potiphar's wife day by day trying to entice him and yet he stood and said, I cannot do this sin against God. Christian, where are you and I standing? Young people, where do you stand when the world entices you? Because as I said before, the world is making sin seem normal or trying to make it sound normal but it's not God's way, and it still is leading to the path of destruction. So to make the point of reminder of God's judgment, let's go back to Ecclesiastes, verse 9, in the end of the verse, But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. All will stand before the judgment of God. Amos tells us, Prepare to meet thy God. Now, I'm glad as a born-again believer that I'm not going to stand in a judgment of condemnation, but I am going to give an account of what I've done. I'm going to give an account of my life. And God knows everything we do. Hebrews 4.13, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. You know, you can hide things from mom and dad. You can hide things from teachers. You can hide things from the church. You can hide things from your spouse. It's amazing in dealing with couples there where there's been infidelity in the marriage, how long the one spouse tends to hide it from the other. Listen, you can hide it from all these people, but you're not going to hide it from God. He already knows. He already knows. So why do we act like we can hide something? You know, people have to start like this, right? Looking around. Well, Christian, you shouldn't have to do that because all you have to do is remember he still hears. So if you're thinking you've got to look around, it's probably not something that needs to be said or done. But Christian, as I said, you and I will stand at the judgment seat of Christ. We will give an account of what we've done, whether it's good or bad. What we have done since we have been saved. Have we been using our time to serve God? Are we using our time wisely? Or are we as Solomon who said, I'll be the one that gets the exemption from the path of destruction. I'm going to live for myself. I'm going to live for sin. And you know what? When he came to the end of his life, Solomon's writing this book, as I believe a book of regret for what he had done, 
but under the inspiration of God, would, uh, he is writing this as a reminder to us, and especially here in chapter 11, and especially to young people, use your time wisely. Reminder of God's judgment. Now, I'm glad, although we need to be reminded that God, we are going to stand before God in, in judgment, I'm glad the first song we sung tonight reminds us of the grace of God. Because, see, God is not sitting in heaven ready to just zap you every move you make and thinking, hey, you did wrong, good, now I get to zap you. No. But he wants to bestow his grace on you. And part of that is, by the way, giving you the grace to overcome sin. Giving you the grace, the ability, to the victory to not give in to the temptations of youth, but to live victorious. And so, let us learn to walk with him. As chapter 12, verse 1 says, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. You know, it's interesting to me, and we'll close with this, it's interesting to me how many young people say, well, I have none, I don't have this great testimony because I didn't live in all this sin. I was saved at a young age. And I try to help them understand you have a better testimony and you don't have the baggage to carry around of the past. And you can thank God for that. And you should rejoice in that. And that's exactly what Solomon is saying is, is live for God now. And when you get to the end, you're not going to look back at it and say, wow, those wasted years those wasted years. And listen, if you are one who has those wasted years, you can't go back and undo. But you can change from today until the time that Jesus Christ comes and ensure that every day you're living for him and use what time you have wisely. So let's use our time serving him.